Yeah. Last time we had a leaders meeting, <coughs> we looked at the invitation question. So we're, you know, it's a, a different version in a sense of, of what we've been talking about. And <coughs> we broke into twos. We asked God to show us somebody that we could go and speak to or invite to something or make contact with in some way. And um, <coughs> then we told each other in our twos when we would do it by, and we committed to keep each other accountable. And I thought I'd better just ask who did it. And uh, this was last term. Last term, it was. Which does, it was, yeah, well, it was before the summer, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so how did you get on with it? No. Were you away? No. It was, when was it? June or something like that? Anyway, whatever it was, that's what we did. So, anybody got anything to report off that? I did it with Anna, and she definitely did it. And yeah. I think they came around to tea, and I thought, whatever they were meant to do, they did it, and it all worked very well. And then my person, I just couldn't get hold of it, like knocked on the door, I left notes, mm. and she just, um, just felt like, and I said, well, leave it then, like, it's just not working. Yeah. Actually, I saw that person, I, I did invite to something, but not then, and she did come to half of it, not at this church, mm. at a different church, and I saw her last night, because she lives over the road, and paramedics were there, and I went to pay for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, good. So it doesn't always work out quite how we expect, does it? And sometimes we may have, you know, misheard from God and we didn't get the right person and sometimes he he does it anyway um, uh, I contacted Amos who hadn't been along to anything for a while and he came to the next community lunch so that was uh, that was good I was surprised how nervous I felt about going and inviting him which was completely ridiculous um, but it really helped me to have a deadline and to know um, this is this is really important, and uh, not to keep putting it off. <clears throat> so, if you have a nice shiny new Bible with you, uh, turn to Genesis chapter one, which you can probably find quite easily. Uh, we'll just spend uh, a few moments there, and then we're going to jump around a bit, but. Um, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 26, where God says, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So just to remind you, we are created in God's image, as it says in the first uh, two verses there, 26 and 27, and, and that's our identity. And so, <clears throat> was it about this time last year we were talking about that? And I did a number of talks uh, just to reinforce things that we've been doing for many years about who we are and <clears throat> all of that. But that is our identity. And uh, we also know that we are God's children. We're we're part of his family, and the intention there is that we, we look like him, we have his habits and his abilities. It's, there's meant to be an obvious family likeness uh, for us. And we're not miserable sinners, as the old prayer book says. We are so forgiven, it's as if we had never sinned. Our sin is separated from us as far as the east is from the west. We are heirs of the Father, we are joint heirs with Jesus which means that we have all the blessings and resources 
of heaven available to us. We are seated with Jesus in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, which means we have authority and power. And that is our identity. And uh, so it starts there in verse 26 and it continues right the way through scripture and you pick it up then again in 1 John 3 1 uh, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when we see him we will be like him because we'll see him face to face and so you get the completion of God's plan there uh, so if you're at a loose end and need something to think about you could try chewing on that for a little while might be more helpful than some of what we look at on social media. Um, so that's our identity, but it also says there, we're created for a purpose. So verse 28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. So we have four elements to our purpose outlined there, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to govern the earth. And God's very specific to Adam and Eve that that's, that's what they were to do. And within that, there's the really important element of caring for the earth, uh, which is very close to my heart. And there's a lot that we could say about uh, a Christian approach to the environment. And I believe that we as people of faith should be giving a lead in that, in caring for God's earth. And as a step in that direction, Mandy and I are in the middle of setting up a carbon offset company, planting apple trees, which will link with what we're already doing. So we'll bore you more with that another time. So just to park the environmental stuff for the moment, the bit I, <coughs> I want to focus on is God's command to multiply and to fill the earth. I remember being told when I was in my teens that that was about the human race expanding through childbirth. And I guess it does include that, but uh, to me it seems like this part of the earth is pretty full. And Mandy and I have done our fair share of filling it with, mm -hmm. with four strapping lads. Um, so, you know, I'd, if it was just that, then, you know, that command would be nullified. But I think... Actually, God intends the, for the command to head in a different direction and it fits perfectly with God's intention of the glory of the Lord filling the earth as the waters cover the sea, uh, which is just such a lovely image there. So it's not just about m more babies, although that's a good thing. Um, as Jesus said, for God's kingdom to expand to be like yeast that fills the whole batch of dough. So this is another thread we see right the way through Scripture. So this is about the expansion of God's authority and influence through us to fill the earth. So Adam and Eve were given the Garden of Eden to care for. But it wasn't God's intention for it to remain that way. The Garden of Eden was just a small part of what God had created, wasn't it? He'd, he created the whole world. As far as we know, there were, there were animals, there were plants over the whole world. And the, the Garden of Eden was just a, a tiny part of that. But because God had created the whole world, we can assume that God wanted Adam and Eve to expand, to multiply their influence and leadership so that God's government, God's kingdom, the Garden of Eden, filled the whole world. So God's kingdom is an expanding kingdom, and God's vision is an expanding vision. Uh, it starts at a particular point, so Garden of Eden on this occasion, but the idea is that it grows from there. And I think uh, also that that's God's vision for my life, for your life, and for our church. God doesn't want his influence through us to be limited, but to expand. So hold that thought. So, uh, as you've got your Bibles open, we're going to jump forward to Luke, to Luke chapter 10 and verse 9, and we'll spend a little bit of time in Luke chapter 10. Uh, another very familiar bit, Luke 10 verse 9, Jesus sending out the 72, heal the sick and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you now. So this is, the first part of Jesus' strategy statement 
in this chapter. And it's interesting that you guys were picking it up from cause as well. Um, that signs and wonders combined with giving people the good news so that the power of darkness is broken because Jesus is here. And uh, in the life of Jesus, you see sometimes he preached the word first and then did the work. Sometimes it was the other way around. It really doesn't matter. Um, Matthew 10.7 is Matthew's version or account of when Jesus sends out the twelve. Uh, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you've received. So, yeah, we know, we know that one. Tick that one off. This is how we see the kingdom expand and how we do spiritual warfare. So, you know, we don't try and find out where the ley lines are and where uh, witches' covens are and do this and do that and the other and tear down spiritual strongholds and all that kind of thing. Jesus didn't do it. Nobody else in the Bible did it. Uh, but what we're told to do is that wherever we are, we are carriers of the kingdom. And we're called to bring the presence of God by who we are and by what we do. And so we want to be alert to the opportunities God gives us to see signs and wonders. And as I was preparing this, it just struck me, I, I really ought to add that to my prayer things at the beginning of the week, that God would actually line up some appointments for me to be able to pray for healing or freedom or something for people who are not part of our church. Because most of my opportunities would be within the church, so I need to add that in. And just to remind you, we don't let our experience become our theology. We don't allow disappointment or lack of results to uh, lull us in our expectations into thinking that it won't work or that it might work for Scott or somebody else, but it won't work for me. Instead, we feed ourselves on the Bible, which is why the what we did at the retreats is so important, so that we're really getting into God's presence. We're really allowing the truth to get into us, rather than just you know the, the two-minute, five-minute reader passage. And yes, I believe that, and off we go. Um, I believe that God wants to speak to us at a much deeper level, so that even days later, a bit like with the Emmanuel prayer model, that we can come back to something that God has said to us within the last week and enter back into that situation and uh, be refreshed and hear God speaking that again to us. So we feed on the Bible daily, looking for God's rhema and logos, for his written and spoken word to strengthen us and to define what is normal for everyday life. And it's, I find it's only when I get back into the Bible and encounter God there, that that balance is restored. So, Jesus gives us this first model of how to see the kingdom advance. And, uh, and then in the middle of the chapter, he has a quick praise party, because the, uh, the, his followers have come back, they did what he said, and he, he says, I you know, praise you. Uh, Lord, you know, you've, you've done this. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and all that. And then he says, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. This is verse 23. Uh, I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, and they didn't see it, and long to hear what you hear, and didn't hear it. An incredible privilege that we have uh, to be part of what God's doing and this, these doors of opportunity that God opens for us. The next section that Luke records in this chapter can appear to be completely separate. It happens at a different time. But when Luke set out his book, he didn't do it in chronological order. He did it in order to make a point and then to emphasize the point by saying it again or different things like that. And so I believe that this next section is deliberately put in there as a follow-on because it's also about the kingdom of God expanding, but it reveals to us another element of God's strategy for us. So if you look at verse 25, 
Another very familiar passage. One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you'll live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, and so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Trying to get out of the, uh, the power of what he had just confessed. So I guess you remember the next part of the story. We'll just go through it. So Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil, and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who had been attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. <clears throat> so this is a parable, which means that it has a punchline, which is fairly evident at the end there. And uh, that's the important part of the story. The sections of the story that lead up to it aren't so important, and some of the detail is potentially irrelevant. Uh, more so in some of the other parables, but the punchline is go and do the same, go and show mercy. And also within that, who do we show mercy to? Anybody who's near us. So this parable, which is a story about being a good neighbour, uh, the man who showed mercy and was a good neighbour wasn't Jewish. He had very little in common with the man he helped. He just happened to be there. <clears throat> uh, Jay Pathak has written a book called The Art of Neighbouring, which is very good. Uh, he said, What if a solution to our society's biggest issues has been right under our noses for the past 2,000 years? When Jesus was asked to reduce everything in the Bible into one commandment, he said, Love God with everything you have and love your neighbour as yourself. What if he meant that we should love our actual neighbours? You know, the people who live right next door. Now our neighbours come in a whole variety of shapes and sizes and locations. Jay in the book limits <coughs> neighbours to the people who literally live, you know, in the few houses around us. <coughs> and it certainly includes that, but... I think it includes our geographical neighbours, certainly, you know, the people who live closest to us. And one of the tools he uses is you actually make a little, uh, a number of squares on a piece of paper and uh, you fill in as much detail as you can. Uh, each square represents a household along your street or across the road or around the corner or wherever it is. And you fill in as much detail as you can. First names, um, probably the easiest thing. Second names, a bit more challenging. Uh, what they do for a living, where they come from, what they're interested in. Um, you know, the, the more detailed it becomes, the more challenging it becomes to us. But we also have relational neighbours. These are people who we feel most close to or like to spend the most time with. <clears throat> they're people like us, PLUs as the church growth people call them. So our geographical neighbours may be very different to us. They may not fall in that category at all. And then we have our work neighbours. 
They may be physically close to us at work, but we have very little in common with them apart from that, and they may even live in a different town or city. So they're neither geographical nor relational neighbours really, but we do spend time with them. And then there are the people that we bump into in the shop, at the gym, at the bus stop, and so on. <clears throat> so our uh, neighbourhood network is much more varied and dispersed than at any time in British history, which is quite a challenge for us, but also opens up opportunities. Now, if you take the parable literally, it has nothing to do with our geographical neighbours. Um, it certainly includes that. The Samaritan was from a different country with a different language, different customs, uh, slightly different religion. And uh, the point Jesus was making is, you know, even people who are very different from you, you need to reach out to because the Jews wouldn't do that. Um, you would only spend time with your immediate family and so on. So he's opening up the neighbouring thing much, much broader than a, a Jewish person would. <clears throat> when Jesus gave the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18-20, he told us to go to all nations. Uh, the Greek there is pantata uh, ethne. So ethne is every ethnic group, every social group. It's not just about, you know, a particular geographical nation, but every ethnic group. And if we were to plot, you know, within Oxford, every different ethnic group, there would be hundreds, possibly thousands of them. Compare that with uh, another statement of Jesus, Acts 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. On me, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And you probably remember the other bit in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And uh, so Jesus really spells it out clearly. Uh, Jerusalem could mean, probably does mean, the people who are like us, the people who are living close to us. Jerusalem wasn't a particularly big city. Um, Pass that one on. There you go. So Jerusalem, uh, Judea, people living slightly further away, but still uh, people like us, relatives, uh, maybe people in a different part of the city. But already we're seeing the kingdom starting to spread outwards. Samaria, people who are unlike you. Uh, you know, the Jews considered the Samarians uh, to be half-castes, rejects. You know, they're different nationality, uh, people who are not like us and who we maybe wouldn't naturally spend time with. Uh, people that maybe we feel like we don't really have much in common with that person. They're still people who need to be reached out to with the good news. And then just in case uh, we hadn't got the picture, Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. And uh, I believe that every church and every follower of Jesus to be healthy and biblical needs to have a global perspective on evangelism. And uh, which is why I keep mentioning it on Sundays and different meetings with Justice and Joy and the Persian Partnership and putting pictures up and that kind of thing. So let's tie all of that together. Because of the confidence that we have in our identity and in the goodness of God, we take seriously his commission to multiply and to fill the earth. And we start where God has put us. So Adam and Eve started in the Garden of Eden, but God's intention was for them to multiply and fill the earth, for the Garden of Eden to expand. Jesus calls us as uh, to be people who multiply and fill the earth with his rule and reign, his power and presence, because of who we are, because of the commission we carry, and because of the authority and power he's given us to overcome the kingdom of darkness. How do we do that? Well, Luke chapter 10 gives us two very clear strategies. Firstly, through signs and wonders, combined with chatting about the good news. Um, and 
that really is very simple. You don't need lots of theology. You don't need to have lots of answers worked out. You don't need to be uh, an apologist or anything like that. You just need to be able to invite people like, um, it was Philip and Nathaniel, wasn't it? You know, come and see. That was as far as his theology got him. Come and see. Um, or to be able to say, this is what Jesus has done for me. To be able to you know, be clear, this is the difference that Jesus has made. Or, I heard this amazing story today. And uh, there are pl- plenty of access to those. Uh, I was listening to one of Bill Johnson's podcasts today. And there must have been at least half a dozen, probably a dozen different stories of people being healed and uh, all that kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> so there's the signs and wonders. Doing the words and works of Jesus is the first one. Secondly, is through neighbouring. By being a good neighbour to the people we like, the people we don't like, the people who are like us, the people who are different to us, the people who are close to us geographically and the people who are a bit further away, as well as supporting those who go to the ends of the earth. And maybe even God might call us to do that as well. So I think to understand what God's calling us to do in our church at this time, we need to have a clear understanding of this process. The kingdom of God starts in our lives as we respond to him. It starts in our locality, and then it spreads out to the people around us. And that is what our communities are all about. And I think that's why God has given us this strategy of doing communities rather than gathering centrally as often as we used to. For example, Chris and Georgia have taken this, they're running with it. They've started to reach out to their neighbours, initially just by having conversations with people, uh, deliberately going, knocking on people's doors, saying, hi, we're new, um, or I can't remember what else they've done. I think they may have taken cakes round or different things like that. But um, And certainly with Georgia going to some of the, the toddlers' stuff. <clears throat> but then they've invited people into their home. They've provided a place where they'll be loved. And don't underestimate the power of that, especially for people who are really struggling. Um, many have struggled with relationships right the way through their lives. They've had parents and teachers who've been abusive. They are in marriages that are abusive. They're in work situations that are abusive. And so to find a place where you are loved and accepted as you are is actually an incredibly powerful thing. So they've invited people into their communities. They've had at least, is it three families or more who've... I think four. Um, yeah. In total. Yeah. So they've invited them into the community and now they're inviting an even larger group to the joint community next Sunday where their neighbours will hear a little bit about Jesus. We'll deliberate, keep it short and to the point. Um... So they've already experienced God's love and God's presence. They may not have been aware that that's what was happening. And uh, I hope you'll join us in supporting them in every way possible, uh, both by praying and also by physically being there to help put up the marquee and uh, if you're free on Saturday morning. And then on, on the day, passing drinks around getting food out, putting food away, doing washing up. And then at the end of the event, we're taking the marquee down as well. So there'll be tables and chairs to shift and, uh, you know, quite a bit of logistical stuff to do. Um, So even if that's not our community, we can still get involved and support in a very practical way. In the parable of the good neighbour, it had nothing to do with who they liked or got on with. The good neighbour was a Samaritan who was the last person a Jew would want to spend time with. Uh, You know, like a Protestant and a Catholic in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, or a Jew and an Arab on the the West Bank these days. And uh, God has also helped us with this process by bringing the nations to us. 
uh, our society and possibly our neighbours are very diverse. So um, uh, Pierre and Tatiana came to our last community lunch. Pierre is a French-Russian Jew, if you can follow that. <laughs> so Russian ancestry, but uh, grew up in Paris. Uh, Tatiana is from Bosnia or somewhere around there. Lovely, lovely people. They were How is it that you were connected to them? They live next door. Ah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was nice meeting. Yeah. yeah, lovely people, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think they enjoyed it. Um, and uh, what the next step is, I'm not sure, but you know, it's a start. <clears throat> I think we, we need to take the pressure off ourselves and feel like we have to be you know, the, the whole process and the answer because so often it's a series of different things that happen for people and it may be that our encounter with people is just meant to be just a one-off um, and then other people will get involved or it may be that uh, we're much more involved so I was going to say let's get into groups of four or five, but uh, let's just do this together. So uh, your home, your community, is the Garden of Eden. Uh, I hope it feels like that. From which God wants to spread his kingdom. It's the context in which we're called to be good neighbours. So um, everyone likes to be invited, so we're coming back to that again. So what could you invite your neighbours to? And those neighbours, you know, it's a diverse network, isn't it? It's your close friends, your geographical neighbours, uh, your work colleagues, for those who are fortunate enough to work with not yet followers of Jesus. Um, so there's that, that invitational aspect of it. And um, we were chatting about this the other day, and we've done a number of things. You know, we, we try and do something around Christmas, um, not every year, but... Um, and they've had mixed success. There was one occasion when one other couple came in here and uh, we sat and chatted with them. It wasn't exactly the buzzing, humming party that we had thought about when we planned it. But and, he's, and he's an expert in malaria. <laughs> so we talked about the mosquitoes for about three hours. <laughs> so Mandy displayed her expertise in uh, the mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> but when we have a community here we have um, we have a crowd we have a party already and so it's much easier to be able to invite our certainly our geographical neighbours to be able to come in and be part of that and we know that there are some lovely people for them to come and meet and, uh, and it's not going to be that embarrassing uh, it's just us and them, when it was meant to be something very different. I think we were probably more conscious of it than they were, but uh, I hope. Um, so another question is, because that, that, that invitation question could be absolutely anything, couldn't it? Um, but then thinking specifically of the capital C communities that we have, what would a community in your location look like? Um, the principles of our communities are the same. We invite people into community. We, we build community to invite people into community. Um, the details of each group may look very different. Um, so some groups may be older, some may be younger, some may be demographically very similar, some may be incredibly diverse. And uh, I'm looking forward to what God wants to do with that. So what does this expansion of God's kingdom through invitation and community look like? <clears throat> Anybody want to chip in? Communities that are running, communities that could start up, um, 
you know, it may be that uh, somebody here thinks, well, I'm living on my street. The nearest person uh, to me from our church is five miles away. So how do I build community? Uh, do I pray for God to bring some more people uh, close? Uh, or do we? is it more like that we get behind Chris and Georgia and support them? And then when that group is really strong, then we can do the same thing in another place. So it's, it's almost like planting mini churches all around the place, except that they're not, you know, don't, don't hear we're planting churches, because as soon as you hear that, you hear uh, worship, teaching, ministry, counselling, pastoral care, you know, the whole thing. And that's, that's not what we're talking about at all. We're, we're talking about a place where people can come and experience God. And it's really as complicated as that. Uh, and I think we just need to be incredibly uh, inventive and creative in the different things that we do and the different things that we try. And some will uh, work better than others, as we found over the last years. Yeah. Well, that's exactly, you know, that is a form of gathering point, community, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I think it's, it's well, fantastic. It was just a very sort of, yeah, just chilled atmosphere, like we were playing sports, but it wasn't sort of super aggressive like sports can be. <laughs> I mean, it was still competitive, but it was a very kind of... It would be with you there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was competitive without being... Really? Because like, last, so last week, no, not last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, there were probably, I think there were about 16 people that were ready to play football and we just couldn't, couldn't find a place. Couldn't find a place to really? Go, so. It has been a bit harder for the last few months, yeah. isn't it? Because somebody's taken your slot. Yeah. Mm. The only problem is, isn't it, that you have to book it on the day or like, so then you can't really like, book it in advance mm. and then the hour changes and stuff. Hmm. Okay, well, that's 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 an important thing to to pray about, as well yeah. as to continue to push on the doors. Um, you know, pray like it, it all depends on God, and then act as if it all depends on us. Is uh, I can't remember who said that, but um, but then you, within that context, you then say, okay, we're gath- God's gathering people to this. They obviously enjoy being here. So, what next? Is there is there a next? Yeah, well, we, so just before Ben left for Australia, he had started the conversation of, it's great that we're playing football, but mm. how do we sort of step on from there? I mean, um, people would be, uh, would, so particularly some would be really up for hanging out as a group, for example, going to the pub. Mm. Um, so yeah. So it might yeah. just be that. Yeah. On on some occasions, mm. we. I mean, it's quite difficult because we play quite late, so it's not like we can go for a drink afterwards because people mm. don't have good sleep. Um, but yeah. The occasional something yeah. could work well. Yeah. You know, leading up to Christmas, Christmas is the easiest time to invite people along to something spiritual. And, uh, you know, to be able to invite people to tap social, you know, it's a neutral venue. Then you're not even asking them to come into a church building. And we're doing carols there again on the 22nd, and we'll get some publicity out. Uh, started to work on it today, but um, we'll have some flyers to give everybody. And So maybe that, that kind of thing. 
and then there's for those for whom it's right there's the Christmas service as well but Christmas time it's much easier to do that than at other times of the year but but people love to be invited don't they do you guys get to pray together about the football whereas one of the things that we had sort of tried to get going was that some of us would need like 10 15 minutes mm. before just but because we haven't been able to get it going con- consistently it hasn't okay. hasn't really happened so we, yeah we need to we need to be able to have you got get, somewhere for tomorrow no. well actually i think we have i think we have but i don't i don't think we've got many um where are we playing tomorrow? Well, so Tilsey Park in Abingdon is available. It's more expensive. Um, and so if you have fewer people, then it just becomes, you know, rather than it being £4, mm. it becomes 7 or 8 So, so. The consistent, getting the consistency up again does seem key. Maybe, maybe we just need to take a risk and... Just go for it and just, yeah. Mm. What, you mean a risk in terms of the expense? Yeah, it's yeah, a regular The block yeah. booking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That does seem to be really helpful that, you know, the consistency of a good venue and the right time mm. makes a big difference for things like that. And also then you don't have to think about it each week. Yeah, you know, you not that I'm know. pivotal in... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tried to get a block booking at um, Ifley, but because they've got all of the uni sports teams, they, they email back and they're just like, yeah, it's it's booked, like, forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if someone would give us a block booking, then that would be helpful. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Other ideas? Relationships where I would hang out with someone outside church. Mm. Um, so I, I think one thing I'd like to start working on is, uh, I guess, developing a group that goes to the pub after work once a week or something like that. Yeah. To try and build those relationships and mm. my work colleagues. Yeah. 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 It, I think for a lot of us, it's a similar challenge to that. You know, certainly. You know, I. I work with believers virtually all the time, um, and so I've I've done different things over the years. You know, I, I did a an evening art class just to try and be around unchurched people, but I don't really feel very comfortable in that setting. You know, I'm I'm a very private person, so you know, I'm. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, actually, we we painted apples, actually, which is. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have the gift of the gab that Carol has. Not many do, but uh, um, so to find the right outlet like that, um, you know, may, we have to be creative. We have to try different things, and uh, yeah, see what happens. Yeah. So it should be fairly easy for us at the moment, but it isn't because I'm not very. Um I, I'm very church focused um, because my giftings have always been in, in church use, so that's just the way I, I feel to be wired. But we are having this housewarming thing I've invited all of my work to, but they're all spread around from, well, over in Whitley and other places, so a lot of them aren't mm. going to come, which is a shame. Um, but it's striking me that we haven't actually invited any of our neighbours to our housewarming yet, which is probably a, a flaw. <laughs> we should probably do that. Yeah. Um, probably got yeah. quite nice neighbours. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we probably do. We do know a few of them. It's. Um, yeah, we just need to figure out the whether that's the best environment. I suppose it is. I suppose we just invite them anyway. 
Um, but yeah, so I feel like there are probably more opportunities coming up with our geographic neighbours than there are with my work community, which mm. is very little. We sort of go out as a, a group occasionally, sort of every two months or something, which is mm. which is good. That's a, a night of debauchery usually. Mm. <laughs> um, why, do do, why do work things turn into that? I suppose it's. I suppose Everybody's it's, so it's, embarrassed. It's, it's, it's the lid off the pressure pack. <coughs> yeah. wanted to run away from the conversation and then they might feel the pressure not to or yeah yeah mm. so if, if people ask I'll answer a question but I don't normally volunteer much like beyond just what what I've been doing because mm. it yeah it, it's 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 just it, there's a few people in my group uh, who would take likely take it the wrong way initially if I started conversations um, mm. And within my group, there's um, there's a well, we're, we're quite diverse, shall we say, um, and and there's there's a few lesbians in the group too, I think, um, who are lovely, um, but obviously quite sensitive um, to, and when when it when they've been having conversations around me, it's been yeah, I have to be quite careful about being true but not also I've got to work with these people and I can't hack them mm. off um, so that's mm. interesting mm. with our neighbours like we're doing Thanksgiving unfortunately when Chris and George are doing their their do which we booked in ages ago um, mm. that we do with our neighbours every year and just invite some friends to so that's a nice opportunity to get together with people mm. Just find smoked food or millionaire's bacon for those of you who've had the millionaire's bacon. Just, uh, <laughs> um, um, job done. Yeah. But, uh, so I guess the same question then comes in with the, as with the the football crowd. You know the, the sort of what next question, and I know we've. You know, we've talked that. With <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, God has answers for these things and uh, it may be different in every place. We had a, a couple who were living in Cheltenham and they would come every Sunday and they would also come and lead a connection group in Oxford and then they worked out how many miles and how much petrol they were using and were rather shocked by that. So I said to them, well, why don't you start a group in, in Cheltenham? And they, they said, well, we... You know, we live in this close and uh, we don't know of any other Christians around. So I said, we'll do Alpha then. Just invite your neighbours in to do Alpha, which is what they did. And a number of them came to faith. And so they then started a second Alpha and had a 
um, connection group running. And gradually God brought people along. So that was what happened there. I'm not saying that that's what should happen everywhere, but you know there are there are different ways of of doing it, different things. So I think we need to start dreaming. Um, it's funny. I was I was listening to a, a podcast at the gym that was all about imagination and how God uses our imagination. And then there was a CD in the car, which I just flicked on as I was driving back. And uh, it was from the Encounter Conference about three or four years ago. And, and it was, again, all about imagination. And I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what God is saying for us, maybe for tonight, that you know, he, he does want to speak through our imagination and uh, um, that God can do immeasurably more than we can imagine but I think that's an invitation, and certainly the, both talks were saying it. It's an invitation from God to to use our imagination in the process of seeing what He wants to do. And you, you know, you imagine it, and then God says, "Great, I'm going to go one step further and do more." So um, that's what I think we need to do with this with this area with. Uh, either inviting individuals to things or to think about our geographical areas. I think there is a, there is a key there as well, uh, that God has put us there deliberately and he's put people around us deliberately. And uh, so we need to ask him what his strategy is for that particular group of people. So, um, you know, I know You've, you've said that you've got a lot of international people living on your street. And so, you know, what, what's the right thing there? Well, you're going to have to find out. But everybody likes to eat. And, uh, you know, you may find that they've never been invited into a British person's home for a meal. And so it would be quite a novelty for them to come in and have some British food with some British people. Or it might be that they would like to bring their traditional dishes uh, to come and show you what they do or, you know, who knows. But I think there's, there's huge potential there. Just a slightly more off the wall one. When we used to feed homeless people in the town centre and we used to sit around, they used to gather around St Giles Monument, I used to sit there for 15 minutes, half an hour, and all they'd gather where we were because they wanted food. And it was like, they had normality and they were phasing and out of normality and having normal conversations and arguing with each other. But, but we were all not arguing. <laughs> and it, it was like a group for a bit of a time. And we didn't really develop that or go anywhere with that. Mm. I just wonder. And now that I'm volunteering for the Salvation Army, I've got a lot more insight into the kind of lives those people mm. might be living and, and what you can do about it. Yeah. But, yeah, I just wonder whether that could have been something that went mm. something. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just right for that time. You know, you just, you don't know, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know anymore, but I do know all the homeless people. Yeah. Yeah. They all gather there. Hmm. 